Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. That we take hope like a, like a big rod, as it were, just drive it down in our soul and say, I'm not going to waver from the hope that I have. I'm not going to let the outside situations and circumstances change my hope. My hope is in Christ. My hope is in God. My hope is in the promises that God has given us. Many of you, no doubt, have had a time in your life where it was dark. It was dark. By the way, if you're a youth between 7th and 12th grade, and you're here listening to me, I'm not that good. It'll get dark. You should run over to Connections Building, because Tyler's speaking over there to our youth. Just thought I'd put in that plug for Tyler, right? Uh, but if you don't go, that's okay. Uh, glad you're here. But I just wanted to tell you, there's times in our lives where things are dark. Can you think of a time? Just, just think in your brain. There was a time in your life where it was dark. What did you do in that moment? How did you respond? How did you react to the, to the darkness? It might have been a loss of a job. It might have been, he got on one knee and he took out a ring and it was so great. And then I asked him nine years later, do you have a date in mind? (laughs) And he dumped me. I know a story just like that. It wasn't nine years, it was seven years. Or maybe it was something in the finance life. Maybe it was back 2006 or seven and you bought a home and you paid. And then 2008, the home was worth half. Remember that? Or maybe it was You went to the doctor and he gave you some news that you really didn't want to hear. It it, it caused some darkness to come into your life. Or or maybe you were trying to get pregnant and you couldn't get pregnant. And you went through a season of just, it was dark. And everybody kept asking you. It seemed like it was almost like magnified. When are you going to have a kid? When are you going to have? And they didn't know you were trying. Or maybe it was a time in school, or maybe it's a time right now that is dark in your life and you need some hope. Hope, when you study the word, you'll come to another word, expectation. We expect something. We, 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 we hope something's going to come our way. Someone has made a promise and a commitment. We go, oh, here, here they come, and they're, they're, they're walking towards the front door. It's actually going to happen. But in the meantime, you were expecting it. When a woman is great with child, we say that she's expecting that she's going to carry the child full term and, and give birth to the child. It's, it's this hope that shines brightest when the hour is darkest. It's the hope that motivates us to be encouraged when discouragement comes. It's the hope that energizes, energizes our bodies when we're tired. It's hope that sweetens life when bitterness bites us. It's hope that sings when all the melodies are gone. It's hope that believes when the evidence is eliminated to believe. It's hope that climbs over obstacles when no one else seems to be helping us. It's hope that endures hardship when no one is caring. It's hope that smiles confidently when no one else is laughing. It's hope that presses towards victory when no one is encouraging. Hope dares us to be generous when no one else is sharing. Hope looks for ways to bring victory even if no one else is winning. Optimism 
Optimism is a passive virtue, but hope is something that is active. Because optimism is, well, I think it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. I just believe life will be great for me. It's optimism. But hope is actually a forward movement. It's an expectation of something that is to come, and it's going to happen. It's not just optimistic. It's actually moving forward. When we struggle with a lingering illness, hope helps us to persevere beyond the pain. And all the horrible acts of men and women in our world can't change the fact that God is always good. It's that hope, that hope in us. It's, it's when we're striving to be clean and sober, like a dear friend of mine said, you know, I was doing really well, but then I and I'm using his word, by the way, forgive my Latin. He said, then I screwed up and I slipped. And I said, guess what? Tomorrow's a new day. And he looked at me like, you mean like one day at a time? I said, exactly. Tomorrow's a new day. He's the Lord of the second chance and the 49th chance and the 49,000th chance. It's a new day. When we find ourselves in a bad season or a time of rejection, hope reminds us that we still have a future. There's still hope for me today. The God of heaven loves me. So in this series, we're going to come back to one verse over and over again. It's 2 Peter 1.4. And let's read it together with our best 1120 voice. Here we go. God made great and promises so that his nature would become part of us, then we could escape our evil desires and the corrupt influences of this world. God made great and marvelous promises so we could understand who he is, so he could become a part of us. Isn't that interesting that Peter would say that? It's like when you begin to understand the precious promises of God, the marvelous promises of God, you get to know who God is when you think about what he's promised. Let me just give you one promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You begin to understand the marvelous heart of God. Or when God says this, if you confess your sins to me, I'm just unable to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's an incredible promise that lets us know we have a God who wants to extend his mercy and grace to us no matter what we've done. Through the promises of God, we see the heart of God. We get to know who he is, exactly what he's like. And by seeing the heart of God, we have hope. We have hope. With all the twists and turns, the ups and downs in life, hope gives us the strength to reach or obtain the goals that God has set before us. Uh, there's a lot of twists and turns in life. Anybody understand that? Things don't always go the way we plan. But when there's hope in our heart, we have this, this power now, or this more than just optimism. It's hope that allows us to achieve what God has called us to do. It's hope that is the evidence of the presence, power, and victory that God gives us before we even see it. Hope. That expectant woman is expectant about the child. She already loves the child before she even sees it or kisses the back of its neck. Think about that. Expectancy. Some of you recently had expectancy. It was Christmas. You actually expected that those gifts under the tree had something in them. There was an expectancy. There's going to be an unwrapping, an unveiling. That's what hope is. I hope you weren't disappointed. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is being sure of what we 
hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's powerful. How can you be sure of something you can't see? How can you be sure that God's going to come through with something that you haven't been able to tangibly touch yet? Well, if it's a promise of God, you can count on it. You can bank on it. I want you to picture, if you would, a palace. And there's a king sitting on the throne of the palace with a large chair. The sides of the chair have been hand-carved. And right next to the king with his crown and his opulent robe are all his entourage. Over here are the jesters in case the king wants to laugh. Over here are the chefs in case the king is hungry. Over here are the executioners in case someone coming into the court of the king needs to be sentenced to death. I mean, this king has everything at his fingertips. His name is Agrippa. His grandfather was King Herod, the one who tried to kill baby Jesus. His great uncle was a king who actually had James executed and Peter thrown into prison. And from the back door walks in the Apostle Paul, a traveling evangelist. His robe, well, isn't really a robe. It's a traveling garment. He's on a short chain to a guard as he walks in and he stands before the king. You see, he's been sentenced to come before the king because he's been preaching about Jesus. And everybody in Jesus' circle, King Agrippa is against. And now here's the apostle Paul. He's standing in front of the king, and I'm going to kind of set the story up for you. The king asks him, uh, Paul, how do you plea? And by the way, Paul already knows because he's talked to the guards. He already knows about King Agrippa because King Agrippa is legendary. He's against Christianity, this brand new religion that's being propagated by people like the Apostle Paul. You kind of wonder what the Apostle Paul might say. Well, we have his words in Acts 26, verse 6 and 7. He says, and now it is because of my, what? My hope and what God has promised our ancestors that I'm on trial today. Now, he could have said, do you know who I am? I used to have Christians put to death. I'm just like you, Agrippa. Maybe Agrippa would have cut in some slack. Or he could have said, you know who I am? I'm a Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I went to the finest Hebrew university, and I graduated top in my class. Or he could have said, Agrippa, I'm a Roman citizen. You need to show leniency on me. That's the law. But he doesn't say that. He says, I'm here because of my hope that I've placed upon the promises of our ancestors that I'm on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. Day and night. And King Agrippa, it's because of this hope that these Jews are accusing me. I've placed my hope in the hope of Israel. Remember that he said 12 tribes, the tribes of Israel. The God who said he would never leave us nor forsake us. The God who made a covenant that said, I will be your God and you will be my people. I put my hope in that. And this is why I'm here today. 
It's my hope. Could you imagine that being your defense? What do you have to say for yourself? Well, I'm here because my hope's in the Lord. You ever had somebody challenge you when they find out you stand for God or for Christ? And you tell them, I've put my hope in Jesus. And they try to come back with some kind of argument about where they have put their hope. You know what I want to say? I want to make one bold statement for 2020. If people do not believe in the promises of God, and if people do not receive the promises of God, those promises are still true. You can deny God. You can deny salvation. We live in a country where it's free to read the Bible or disbelieve the Bible. And I tell people, you can disbelieve the Bible and you can be wrong. You have that choice. Whether you believe or receive the promises of God, they're still true for you. And they give us hope. Does that mean that everything's going to turn out the way we want? No. I'd be a foolish preacher to stand up here and say, just give your life to the Lord and everything will turn out the way you want it. That would be horrible preaching. But here's what I will preach. And here's what I will teach. You put your hope in Jesus and that hope can be an anchor for your soul that no matter what goes on out here, you can be safe and secure inside here. No matter what happens in life, no matter what the headlines are, that you know in your heart of hearts that you place your hope in the Lord. I, I think about Paul standing up and saying, this is my defense. My hope is in the promises of God. Noah believed in the promises of God. He builds an ark. God says it's going to rain, and rain isn't even a word yet. And he believed in the promise of God. I think of Abraham, who left his land, a fertile land, a fruitful land. He left his land to go to a home that God was going to show him, but had not yet shown him. How many of you would leave all your comfort to go somewhere? God, where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. I think we might hesitate. And then I think of David. Little David. Little David. Who stands before an obstacle called Goliath. <laughs> with the promise of God. All the armies, all the, 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 the military forces are hiding in the bushes, afraid of this one Philistine. But David stands up there with a slingshot and five smooth stones. We all know the story. But I love what he says. He says, um, Goliath, and I'm paraphrasing, you think you're all that because you're big and you snore loud at night. You think you're all that. You know, your, your biceps and triceps are bigger than my waist. I see you standing there. You come at me with javelin and sword, but I have a promise. I come at you in the name of the Lord. My promise is my hope, and my hope is that we will win this battle. Could you imagine if you were on a sports team and you knew the end of the game, whatever it was, that you were going to win? Would you worry in the fifth inning in baseball if you were down 15 to zero and two outs and your slugger comes up and he pops up and the catcher dives and makes the catch. Now we're in the sixth inning. It's 15 to zero. And the manager comes over 
you got this, guys. And you're going, you, we got what? We're down 15 runs. But see, if the manager was able somehow through hocus pocus to look into the future and see the scoreboard at the end where you win 16 to 5 or 15, you would, you would have that kind of boldness in your heart. People are talking about Super Bowl. Some of you are talking about Super Bowl. How many of you, your favorite team is not going? Raise your hand. Not going. Look at that. You've lost all hope. And you'll cheer on another team and you'll have your stacks ready and you'll watch. It's February 2nd or something like that, isn't it? Yeah, February 2nd. Big, big day. And somebody said, well, I just watch it for the commercials and halftime show. And yeah. Some of you were hoping, wild card, you were hoping something, <laughs> right? Right. But you know, you were hoping. You were hoping. But David was hoping because he knew he was going to win because the promise of God. And see, that's what hope is. It's not just sitting home being optimistic. It's actually getting in the valley. It's actually getting into the war going, you know what, Lord? You're going to see me through this. I'm going to get through this education. I'm going I'm to make it, God. I'm going to get through this season of whatever this, this illness might be, God. I'm going to get through it. Why? Why? Because Hebrews 6.17 tells us, God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what? He's promised. The writer of Hebrews calls us heirs of the promise. What is our inheritance? All the promises of God. Somebody spent a year and a half going through the Bible, front to back, back to front, for a year and a half looking up the promises in the Bible that God made towards the human race. Anybody want to take a guess? How many promises would you guess? Huh? All right. <laughs> How many promises? A thousand? How many believe there's a thousand? Two thousand? Anybody? Two thousand, three thousand, three thousand, four thousand, eighty, forty, 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 four thousand, five. Seven thousand four hundred and eighty-seven promises in the Bible. Now we know fear not is about three sixty-five, one for every day of the year. But seven four eight seven. God has given us promise. And and the writer of Hebrews says, You and I in Christ, if we know Christ as our Savior are heirs of those promises. Why? Number one, just write this down. I know you've been waiting feverishly. God is a promise maker. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in fear, holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. By faith Abraham, when God called him to a place he would later receive his inheritance, he obeyed, he obeyed, and he went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the where? In the promised land. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. And by faith, Sarah, Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. She lived in hope. Because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Could you imagine laying him on an altar and getting ready to sacrifice him and putting a knife over his head and about to plunge that knife in? Many scholars believe that Abraham believed if 
He would have killed Isaac. God would have resurrected him from the dead. Why? Because he made a promise that through Isaac would come many, 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 many nations. More offspring than the sands of the seashore. And so the hope in Abraham's heart was, I have a promise. I'm an heir of the promise. So bold that even as they're walking up the hill, do you remember the story? He tells Isaac, Isaac says, hey, dad, we have the wood, we have the knife, uh, you know, we have beef jerky, we have everything we need, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. You talk about a promise? Number two, God is a promise keeper, thank God. I'm going to say, thank God, he's a promise keeper. Ever had anybody make a promise and break it? Ever have someone make a promise to you, and while they're making it, you know they're not going to keep it, but you listen anyway? Come on. You can count on me. I'll come through. And you go, yeah, right, right. But God makes a promise, and he comes through. James James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Why did I want that verse in there? Because God makes a promise. He doesn't change. He doesn't have to say, uh, do over, uh, erase that, forget that, uh, delete that. No, no, no. This is, if I speak it, it's going to happen. 7,487 promises to us. And God promises... Number three, provide hope in the dark. This is we get started on this. I just want you to think about who God is. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is what? Is faithful. Romans 4, 20 and 21, I love this. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith. You want to be strengthened in your faith? Let me tell you how. And he gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. If you want to change your life of worship, if you want to be strengthened in your faith, start fully believing in the promises that God has made for you, that God has the power to do everything he said. And then look at Hebrews 6.18. It says, it is impossible for God to lie. There's no bit of deceit in him anywhere. He can't lie. He can't sin. He can't tell you, trust in me, and then become trust, un- untrustworthy. He can't say, count on me, and then you can say, well, where are you, God? His mercies are new and fresh every morning. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what we must hold on to for our hope. Joshua 21, 45, not one of all the Lord's good to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. So here's a question for you. What am I building my life upon? I mean, right now, what are you building your life upon? And as we, we go into this brand new year, there's one statement I want to make. It's, it's, it'll help you. There is power in our priorities. There is power in our priorities. Whatever we make a priority gets our, gets our power. It, it gets our energy. It gets our trust. It gets our faith. It gets our belief. It gets our hope. Where is your priority? What are you building your life upon? And what is it that fuels my hope? What fuels my hope? Just two simple questions. 
I, I would encourage you this week to take some time and just ask these questions of yourself. What am I building my life upon? And what fuels my hope? Jesus told a parable. Many of us know this parable. There are two builders. They both had their building materials from uh, Home Depot and Hayward Lumber and got a few things at Lowe's that they didn't have at Depot. And, and so they've got their trucks full of the same building materials. They're both out to build a house, both of them. They probably have their uh, city permits, their county permits, uh, They've probably done all the inspections except for soil testing because one of them builds the house on sand and the other one builds her house on rock. And Jesus says in Matthew 7, therefore everyone who hears these words, he's come out the Sermon of the Mount, this amazing sermon. And at the end he said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, very smart, who built his house on the rock, and the rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, yet it did not, what, fall, because it had its foundation on the rock, on Christ the solid rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, see, whether you believe and receive the promise of God or not, they're still true. Whether you believe and receive what's in the Bible, it's, it's still true. Your vote does not make it true or untrue. Your resistance to the gospel of Jesus Christ coming into your life does not make the gospel any weaker. And you receiving the gospel doesn't make it any stronger. It is strong. It is full. It can save anyone. It can save to the uttermost, the King James says. It could go anywhere. Any man, woman, boy, or girl can be saved by knowing Christ Jesus and whether you believe or not. Now, what your belief impacts is where you're building your house. You're building it on sand. You're building it on the stock market, real estate market, investments, government, your friend, your partner, your kids, your grandkids, your parents. What are, you, what are you building your life on? Because at some point, everybody's life is going to be called into question for where they built their life. That's why each of us needs to decide who we're going to serve. We're going to serve God? We're going to serve ourselves? We're going to receive life? We're going to receive death? It, it, it's, it's up to us. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on a sand. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a, what kind of crash? A great crash. Two builders, both had an assignment, build your life. Build your house. Two builders, both had probably the same materials. Build your house, build your life. Two builders both had a storm hit. And see, the heart of, of God is when we build our lives on the promises of God, that even when the storm hits, we can still have hope in our heart. We can still have this hope in our heart. Romans 4.20 again says, he, he never doubted that God would keep his promise, and he never stopped believing. He grew stronger in his faith and gave 
praise to God. Can, can I just tell you something? I, I, I don't mean to be simplistic, but I, I've, I've read the Bible and we do win in the end. A couple of setbacks, a couple of lousy games, a couple of fumbles, a couple of strikeouts. You know, the hockey puck didn't go into the net, it went into the stands. Uh huh. The marching band took the field and they were playing two and four. Some were on page two, some were on page four. And it sounded like it. Uh huh. You took the test to get promoted and you, <laughs> you bombed the test. You tried to get that class and it was full. You tried to pass the class and you couldn't. You tried to get promoted and you didn't. Come on. We're all going to have setbacks, but in our heart of hearts, we're going to be able to say that we grow stronger in our faith and we give more praise to God because we believe in the promises of God. So are you in a dark season? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe it's the time of your life. What? As someone told me the other day, I'm living the life. I'm living the dream. Just chilling on the central coast. They, when they said chilling, I knew how old they were. They're older than me. Yeah. Maybe you're just not chilling at all. Maybe you're all anxious and nervous. Well, I've got something for you. And if you just stand, you won't be standing long because I'm going to get you out in a few minutes. Come on. That's a promise. I promise. In Max Lucado's book, Unshakable Hope, he writes these words, and I would love for you to say them with me. Make it a declaration. Let's just read it from our hearts. We are building our lives on the promises of God. Because his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of life or the pain in life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. How about we say it again? We are building our lives on the promises of God. Because his word is unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. We do not stand on the problems of life or the pain in life. We stand on the great and precious promises of God. If you got a phone, you should get it out and take a picture of that. Because I know some people, well, in the last service, that stand on the problems of life or the pain of life, because that's what they talk about all the time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I, I want to be somebody, and I'm asking you, pray for me this way, that I will stand on the great and precious promises of God, because his word is unbreakable. Our hope is Oh, how about we do this? Your, his word is unbreakable. And therefore, our hope is unshakable. Unbreakable. Unshakable. unbreakable. unbreakable. All right. Yeah, that should be our series. You know why? You know why? Because God made these marvelous promises so that his nature would become a part of us. And by believing in the promises of God, we would take on the divine nature of God. I want to pray this scripture over you as we start this brand new year. It's not on the, on the screen. It's just right, right here. And I want you to hear these words from Psalm 33. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. When we say that, let your unfailing love, go ahead, let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.